0: I think we're all familiar with, and we know the circumstances that we are that we are facing right now, and the the really it's a state of confusion that our nation is in right now. In a again, if you if you missed the previous comments, we're just asking everybody to obviously take the necessary precautions and 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 use good judgment. We will meet here tonight at 5:30. We'll monitor the situation and let we, let you know uh, about Wednesday night and what we'll do next Sunday. I, I can't imagine that we won't have a, a, a worship of, of some kind uh, next first day of the week. But we'll monitor this all week long. We just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know right now. We don't want to make a knee-jerk decision and, and do the wrong thing. And so uh, we'll have all of the announcements on the news line. We'll have it on the website, social media. We'll make sure everybody knows if, if there is a change in our regular schedule, we'll make sure that you know about it. We're grateful for the 173 that have come out this morning. I got a... I got to be honest and tell you, I weren't sure I wasn't sure we'd even have that many, but we we appreciate the ones who have come out. Thank you for being here this morning. A while back, I was looking at the website of a congregation over in the Chattanooga area. There was an article in there that caught my uh, attention. It was an interesting article, just simply because I don't think I'd ever seen one. I like it before. There was some truth to it. Some of it was not so much the truth. But the the writer was putting Christians into categories. I don't know that I ha- had ever seen that before. And so while some of it was just out there, I thought, uh, it, it had already caught my interest. And so I continued to read. Uh, the writer said that in the Lord's church today, we have people that, that he called the zealots. The zealots, he said, are too critical. They are too harsh. They are, they are mean-spirited. And I have to sadly agree with him. We have a few folks who are a bit too critical and a bit too harsh. I don't know if I would call them zealots or not, but we have folks... Sadly, who sometimes can be overly critical of their brothers and their sisters. We do have a few uh, of those. We have some that he called the dissatisfied. The dissatisfied are, are, are just not happy at, at church at all. They're bored at church. They need church to be more exciting. They need church to be uh, more uh, entertaining. They're, they're not satisfied at all with the place that they go to church. And then we have a group that he called the satisfieds. But the satisfieds are not really satisfied. He said that they've just decided eh ah, wherever I'm going it's going to be the same. I could go to another congregation but it'll be it'll be the same thing and so I'm just going to stay right where I'm at, there's no need in in changing. They're not really satisfied, but they decided to stick where they are because they they just figure it won't get any better. And then the fourth group, he called the traditionals. He said the traditionals practice the traditions, that's his word. They practice the traditions, that they learned from their parents and their grandparents. The things that they were doing back in the 1940s and, and the 1950s. that They insist on still doing those things. Their attendance might be down. Their congregation is not happy, but those traditionals won't give up what they're doing and let their congregation... Change. Uh, He said that those traditionals needed to loosen up just a little bit and give people whatever it takes to make them happy. Well, I believe that we are standing on the shoulders of a lot of good people who came before us, past generations will always have my respect and my admiration because they hung in there and they didn't quit and they didn't give up. I will always respect them for that and I believe we are where we are because of past generations. But let me tell you something, what we teach and practice goes a whole lot further back than the 40s and the 50s. It goes back to the first century. And what we see the early church doing and the apostles preaching and teaching and practicing. Now, all change is not bad. We changed buildings about 15 years ago. We bought a a brand new church bus. That that bus is used all of the time. Last summer, we broke away from a long-standing tradition here at Bethel having a gospel meeting on the first Sunday of August. That had been practiced as long as anybody could remember. Last year, in order to help our students and our teachers and our parents, we had a summer series. And we're planning on having another summer series this year. All change is not bad. But when we change the way we worship, when we change the things that we teach and we practice, we are treading on dangerous ground. I'm reminded of a passage in the book of Jude. In the book of Jude, in verses 3 and 4, Jude writes this, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation." I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God... In our Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 12. Talking about those kind of people. These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn leaves without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea. Foaming up their own shame wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. That is that is not a a pretty picture that Jude paints of those kind of folks. Lots of folks today are are looking for a cause to get behind. And that's generally generally speaking that's a good thing. It might be political. The political arena in our day is is very strange. I, I, I would like to change some of those things. And it could be that some of you are, 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 are wanting to jump right in there and make some positive changes in the uh, political arena. If you are, that's a great thing. It might be the environment. We hear a lot today about uh, going green and uh, renewable energy and saving the world from the human race. Those are good causes. And no doubt we could think of at least a dozen more that you might be uh, interested in getting behind. But Jude tells us here what our real number one cause should be and that is that we contend earnestly for the faith. Now, the faith as Jude uses it here, is, is more than just a belief. The faith as, as he uses it in this passage really represents everything that we preach and teach and, and practice. Jude is really talking about everything that the church stands for. And he tells us to contend earnestly for those things. When the apostles were preaching and teaching back in the first century, they were not—they were not teaching their thoughts and uh, and their ideas. They were delivering God's message. There is a there is a passage in the book of First Thessalonians that I want to look at with you. First Thessalonians chapter two. Let's go all the way back to, uh, to verse 10. I want you to focus on verse 13. But let's go back to verse 10 so you'll get the whole thought here. Paul says, You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now notice what he says here. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, they were preaching and teaching it, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. The, the apostles... The apostles were were not the authors of the Word that they were preaching. They were just the deliverers of God's Word. They, They were the messengers in the first century delivering God's Word. Sometimes even in our day, we still hear somebody say that they have received some brand new revelation from God that God spoke directly to them. You you won't find it in the Bible, but they got it directly from God. But Jude told us there that the gospel would be once for all delivered. There will be no new revelations from God. Uh, this is this is all we get right here. There will be no changes to His Word, and I'm not trying to to be a wise guy and call some modern day prophet a liar, but I'm telling you, God does not speak directly to them, nor to anyone else. This is it, right here. This is all we are going to get, and we must contend earnestly for it. But the winds of change are blowing in the Lord's church today, even, even now, as we worship this morning, the winds of change are blowing in the church. But the things that we preach and teach and practice, brothers and sisters, here at the Bethel Church of Christ, they are not traditions. They are God's Word. They are the things that we see in God's Word. This very month, in the month of March... In at least two of the church mail outs that I have seen, the main topic is the same thing. This is the Christian Chronicle. Front page, lead story. Women's roles in the church, a divisive issue. And then I got my my old paths mail out. Front page story women's role in the church so just, just what is the women's role in the church well let, let me say at the very beginning before I even start reading passages of scriptures women are very very important in the church they are a huge part of our congregation and we, we honor them we, we respect them and we appreciate them and all of the work that they do here at Bethel. The gift bags that they send out, the food they fix for the shut-ins, uh, the meals they fix for those who have suffered a great loss, and so many other things that our ladies do. They do a great job and we appreciate them so much. Now look with me at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. In like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Let a woman learn in silence without submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. For Adam was formed first and then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's look at verse 34. "'Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says.' If they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. For it is shameful for women to speak in church. Now folks, the, the women can certainly sing. And it could be that uh, uh, the women might need to say something softly to their husband, they might need to. They might need to say something softly to to one of the children. They might need to do those things. But to lead the worship service or to be in a position of authority in the Lord's church, they are forbidden by the New Testament to do those things. And yet, there are congregations in the Lord's church around the country and around the world where there are women standing in the pulpit right now speaking to a congregation with men in the audience. There are women leading the public prayer at worship. There are women who are being installed as elders. In the, the Christian Chronicle writes about that. Some of the articles are actually uh, positive, they think it's a good thing, others not so much so folks, one of the one of the qualifications for an elder is that they be the husband of one wife, a woman cannot be the husband of of one wife. You know one thing that we're seeing more and more in the lord's church today is. The teenage girls are serving the Lord's Supper. These things are happening in the Lord's church today. Folks will say, yeah, but that was a long time ago. What we see there in 1 Timothy was a long, long time ago, and our culture has changed, and it certainly has. There's no arguing that. Our culture has changed. Uh, Women are running big corporations today. Women are in the House and in the Senate and running for president. Yes, our culture has changed. But if we only do what we see in the pages of the New Testament, ladies will not be in those positions of authority in the Lord's church. They can certainly teach the children. And no doubt, ladies, I'm sure you can do a much better job of that than any of us men can do. I have no doubt that you can. The ladies can have their ladies' day. Absolutely, they can. Our ladies are smart. They are intelligent. We honor them and respect them. But ladies, will we do what we see in God's Word or not? if we do women will not be in those leadership positions in the Lord's church also we are seeing changes in our worship the word that we hear today is contemporary contemporary worship it's got a good ring to it it sounds good contemporary. We, we live in the modern world and, and so we need modern worship. Ephesians 5 and verse 19 tells us to sing and make melody in your hearts to the Lord. And if you look at the history of the church you would see that for centuries there were no instruments used in the Lord's Church. Pope Vitalius tried to stick an organ in in the 600s, but it it met with such serious opposition that he had to take it back out. It was three or four hundred more years before the instrument became common. In the early days, they did not use it, but contemporary worship uses instruments. Some congregations today are are compromising. They have two services. One they call their traditional. The other is contemporary. Entertainment is becoming such a big thing now. Folks are just saying, Hey, hey, you want to you wanna draw a big crowd at church? You've got to give them what they want. You've got to entertain them a little bit. And so we see the dramas being performed uh, uh, at worship. We see the, the lights and the, uh, the smoke and, and the music. It's entertaining, it's, it's exciting. But if we read our New Testament, then we will see that in the early days they certainly sang, they most definitely did. We will see that they certainly prayed. Pray without ceasing, Paul tells us. We would see that they had a lesson from God's Word. In Acts chapter 20, Paul preached till midnight. I'm not sure how that would go over an hour day. You don't have to worry about me ever doing that. It's not going to happen. I can't preach that long. But Paul did. They, they had a lesson from, from God's Word. They served the Lord's Supper They gave of their means. And and brethren, I would say to you, doing more than that is pushing the boundaries past what we see in God's Word. Let me ask you this. Do you need to be entertained to get you to come and worship God on the first day of the week? If you do then I would suggest you go home and take a good, long, honest look at yourself if you need to be entertained to come to worship. Do you need a show to get you to worship on the first day of the week? I hope the answer is no. If, If you do, take an honest look at yourself. Yes, the winds of change are blowing. The Bethel congregation has stood firmly against those winds for 156 years now. Not because it's a tradition that we've been practicing for a long time, but because we're trying to practice God's Word no more and no less. And I hope that will always be the case. I hope that we will always... Stand against those unscriptural changes. And no matter, no matter how hard the wind is blowing, we will not bend. We will not bend. I want you to look with me at the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this, this is a passage I memorized it years ago, but I want to read it together with you. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Let's read this passage together. Paul says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, "...with all suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires what they want. Because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned to fables." If we are going to contend earnestly for the faith, we need to study God's Word until we are able to recognize the difference between what is, what is God's Word and what is just simply error, untruth, a human additions or subtractions from God's Word. We need to be able to to recognize the difference in those things. Let us us not veer neither to the right nor to the left, but just stay on that straight and narrow way and just continue to preach the Word as Paul just told us. Just keep preaching the Word. No more and no less. And then we know that at the Bethel congregation they're doing it the right way. One thing we know that the Word teaches is that we must obey the gospel and become a Christian if we want to spend eternity in heaven. That means repentance of sins. That means confessing the name of Jesus Christ as the Son of God. That means immersion in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins. This morning, if you've never obeyed the gospel... If you've reached that accountable age, you can become a Christian this very day. We will help you get those things done. Perhaps you have been a Christian at some time in your life, but you have not been as faithful as you should have been. Repent of those things. Ask for the prayers of the faithful. Be restored while we stand and sing.